Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Colossians. Let's talk about some, some things about prayer tonight that I'm just pretty sure you hadn't thought about in this light. So let's, let's give it, a, let's give it a, a, a fresh look tonight about praying out some doors of utterance for your life. Hallelujah. Now, I uh, had a man at the jail last, last night. I was teaching, you know, just getting wound up, and he stopped me, and he said, because I said something about, I hope someday that you're standing in front of some, some men and women or whatever, just like I'm standing in front of you. My prayer is that, that you'll stand in front of somebody, and you'll do what I'm doing right now. Which is, you know, that's a pretty good lick for him. And, uh, and I was fixing to crank up, and he, this guy said, well, tell me, preacher, how can I go into, how can we go into the ministry? He was the same guy later that said he didn't know if he was born again or not for sure, and we fixed that. But you, so you never know where stuff's going. Well, uh, listen, you are going to stand in front of people if you're not now, and people are going to be drawn to the Word of God in you, and you better get ready. You better get ready. We never knew if that couple that Debbie talked about that lived next to us in Seagraves, uh, 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 Jane and Royce, we never knew if he never came home because she didn't keep house or if she didn't keep house because he never came home. We never knew how it worked. Uh, I'm telling you, you'll never know if you don't get ready to be a minister you'll never know if you weren't ready, it's why it didn't happen, or if it didn't happen because, or if, well, anyway, however that works. <laughs> you won't ever know. So just the answer to that is just get ready. Y'all ready to get ready? These are good times to get ready. It's good not to be desperate. It's good not to be at the end of your rope. It's good not to be having an emergency, a crisis, a blowout before you say, I resolve to change. I resolve to do better. I think I'll change some things. It's better to get up just blessed and happy and good and say, I'm changing today. I'm adjusting my life. In Colossians chapter 4, it's talking about doors of utterance. Doors of utterance. Hallelujah. Let's see. Let's just go there in chapter 4, verse 2. It says uh, in verse 2, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So continue and watch in prayer with thanksgiving. Amen. Continue. He said, you've been praying, don't quit. Don't quit, y'all. I'm telling you tonight, don't quit praying. If you've started, don't quit. People tell me all the time, well, yeah, I say, how are you doing? Well, I'm busy. You know, that, and Myron, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about everybody. You know, you got to quit confessing I'm so busy. Hallelujah. It's just not a good confession. <laughs> you know, we're, so he says, continue in prayer, watch in prayer. And then verse 3, with all praying also for us. So right here, it'll be just like you saying, please pray for me. Please pray for me. But Paul didn't just say, you know, pray for me that all my finances will be better. We could all raise our hand tonight and say, you know, I was, as good as it is, we could do so with some more money. We could all say, you know, I've got a situation. Would you pray with me? I've got, uh, you know, we could all say, hey, pray for me. Pray with me. But Paul, he went straight to the top. He said, with all praying also for us, what, Paul, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Say it with me. A door of utterance. Let's say it better. A door of utterance. Now, like Debbie said Sunday, there's a lot of things you can't pray for. 
but you can pray for a door of utterance. And I'm telling you, we're going to learn tonight that you ought to be praying for others to get a door of utterance. People wonder why their life is like it is, and they're disconnected. They're disconnected. Even if they come to church, sometimes they're disconnected. They don't understand, even if they're listening. They're not connected. There's not an utterance into their life. And if you don't hear something besides what you generate, originate, and create, you will be inward. You will be stale. You will, you will go down. With nothing new, things left to themselves just go down. And he says, pray for us all that we, that God, that God himself would open unto us a door of utterance. Why? To speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may, may make it manifest, look right here, as I ought to speak. Now, Paul's putting a lot of weight here on speaking. Now, I'm going to remind you that the one thing that Jesus was known for, the Gospels paint him four different ways, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in those four Gospels, you never learn how tall he was, if he had straight teeth, whether his ears were big. You never know if he had a beard, whether he had blonde hair, brown hair, green eyes. You don't know if he was a flashy dresser, a plain dresser. You don't, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. And you'd think that we did know as many pictures as there are in the world of Jesus. You go into uh, uh, a lot of churches, he's white as the driven snow. And you go down the street into another church, he's, he's not white. And you go, well, now who is this? Who is this? Well, that's Jesus. Well, I just saw him. And he didn't have this tan that he's, that he's got right here. And over here he was tall and, and you know, doggone, he must be. You know, we don't know what Jesus looked like. We don't know. And, and, uh, and it's not important. He never, we never stumble about that. We, we don't know. But what do we do? What is Jesus known for more than anything else? What he said. That's all he's known for. And I'm going to ask you the question up front. We're going to ask it again at the end. What are you known for? I'm going to suggest to you tonight that all of us, in some measure or degree, are caught up in trying to be known for something other than what we say. Obviously, we get up in the morning, and we ought to, we ought to do the best we can with what we got. We ought to present ourselves to the world in the finest fashion that's available and just, and just leave it alone, you know. And some people, they, they've hired surgeons and, you know, all sorts of treatments to, to take it to the next level. But that's not what we're to be known for. You ought not to be known for the ugly old barn, you know, that you, that you might think you are, but, you, you, but that's not what our deal is. We're not to be known for education. We're not to be known for tremendous feats. We're to be known, like Jesus, for what we say. Because all of the kingdom of God is based on seed time and harvest and what is said. Amen. So I've got that thought right there. When somebody, when a door of utterance opens, when somebody has an opportunity to speak, then uh, if they speak as a believer, then it affects their life. By his stripes, I was healed. And we, we appropriate that, and when it happens, it affects my life. And when I call in the money, and when I am believing God for favor at the job and so, some such as that, it affects me. But when someone that's standing in an office 
We talked about Sunday morning, that everybody's a minister, but not everybody stands in an office. We're talking about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher in office. Y'all with me? When they stand up and a door of utterance is open, it affects the world. It affects the nations. It affects you. Well, if you can get... Uh, if you can get a man or woman in an office to speak under the unction of God, it will change your life. You say, well, no, I, I'm a believer. I'll speak for my life, and I'll have for my life, and that's all I need. You're wrong. You can't get everywhere you need to be as a believer based on only your words. There's got to be atmospheres created. There's got to be opportunities open. Paul said here, you guys at Colossians, pray for me that I will have, we will have, the office will have, as a king has an office, that there will be an utterance given so that we can speak the mysteries and that we will speak as we ought. In other words, to bring the will of God, the opportunities into the world for believers. Then we as believers, then we latch onto those and we say what, you know, it has been said by God. Oral Roberts said this. He said, uh, he said I promise. He promised God one time. Uh, Oral was, was a real peculiar individual about the things of God and the anointing. He would not go out into his tent meetings until he felt the anointing in his, in his arm. I, I say hand, arm. Anyway, he had to feel the tangible or he wouldn't go out. He was very aware always that it was not him at all. And without that anointing, he was just whistling in the wind. And then he said something. He said, Lord, I promise never to speak from information alone. See, information is just what is out there. But the anointing on information makes it revelation. And we don't live by information. There's books. Listen, if you could get it from an informational side, there's books and tapes. You ought to, by the weekend, be able to get it fixed. But it's the revelation that blows up inside of you and you see something that hadn't been seen. You know something that you didn't know. And you act on it because it affects you. It impacts you. And you, cha you are changed from the inside out. And you go on that revelation in a way that you would never react to on information. And Oral said, I promise never to stand up and deliver, minister, or uh, 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 give forth on information alone. So we have to, everyone that stands in this pulpit, just be warned, just be warned, just be, be known that we will, we will not expect or long-term tolerate People standing in front of you that will just bring information. In other words, we must have the anointing on our lives to minister under that door of utterance or we should sit down. And I'm not just talking about this pulpit. I'm talking about the pulpit that you stand in every single day as you are with people. Even as you go into your prayer time and it's just you, you ought to not go on information. Well, here's my little book and you read the book. And as soon as you can get the book read, you know, you can put on your makeup and put on your britches and, you know, you can get out the door. Well, you know, we ought to have revelation even in what we say, and we're the only ones in the room. Because he can talk through your mouth to you as good as somebody else can talk to you through their mouth. 
but you got to have an expectation. You got to have a a a line or a, a a base where you say, "I'm I'm coming going in the room, and I'm not coming out until God speaks to me." Now you know you go, "Well, this is kind of out there." Well, this is Wednesday night, so I expect. Uh, we can handle this, amen, that it sets a bar for us. Uh, the devil wants to shut down the door of utterance. Let me just tell you, there's a day coming. Debbie told me this the other day. That there's a day coming. I'm just going to share what she shared, where men will come from, if I can get this right, well, men will come from afar to hear this gospel, to hear the words spoken under the canopy or under the, the, uh, the uh, unction of faith, spoken. It is not a matter of recitation. It's not a matter of information. It is something that's prized, that's valued, that's treasured to hear, to, to receive utterance through an open door. We take it so for granted, at least in this place. It is essential. If blood is necessary to make you and I operate His Word, his word, the unction, the utterance of his word is even the more. I'm, I'm telling you, I am, I am I'm cognizant that we have, we have not done right in the sense of, I'm just talking about corporately, of putting a draw on the utterance. And we can change that. We can make an adjustment tonight. You know, I wish everybody was here, but hey, we're here. Let's make a difference. Let's begin to say, Lord, I've come not for ritual, not for formality, not for, for uh, duty. I've not come to church. I have come to hear from you. And it makes no difference who's up here. Uh, doesn't matter who's, who's, who's the mouthpiece. <laughs> Speak to me, Lord. And I'm telling you, you'll hear from heaven. You'll go out the door, and there'll be mean ushers and, and, uh, and distracted greeters and, and crying babies, and you'll go out happy and kicking in the stalls like a calf, you know, saying, I got it. I went to church, and I heard from God. And there's a corporate anointing here that's beyond, or different at least, than the one you get in your prayer closet, the one you get when you're seeking God and you're calling on him, I'm fasting, Lord, I'm in there, I am not coming out. Listen, all you got to do is show up at church. We've already prayed, we've already consecrated and, and set aside this atmosphere for that time, and there's going to be something happen if anybody will draw. Well, Paul said here how to do it. He said, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, to which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. What's said here is not trite. We, we have announcements. You don't know how Debbie and I do not like to do announcements. We would never have announcements if we thought we could somehow convey what must be done in the business realm to people. We would not muddy the waters and cloud the, the atmosphere by stopping. We worship, and then we stop and do announcements and, you know, do what we got to do, and then basically reload and, you know, Get ready for the word. That's what we do in praise and worship is we get focused on him because him and his word are one. Getting ready on him, Lord, you are, you are the source of my life. And then we get ready to hear from the source of our life. 
And if it's anything less than that or different than that, well, then we're just, we're just misguided. We're just not, we're not here for the right reason. And I'm not saying you can't get anything because you can. You know, there's that old thing Brother Hagin talked about, the slopped over blessing, where you just get it on accident just because you were in the room. But how much more could we load our wagon up and say, I'm going to church today? And if, if you're full and overflowing, saying, I'm going to increase, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be promoted, I'm going to church today, I'm getting a $1,000 idea. And then when you get that thing folded up and put in, the next week say, I'm coming for the $2,000 idea. It happens in church. It happens for you and I in this realm. This is where it happens. So people say, well, I'm not much into prayer. Well, it's because a lot of times we're praying for my money and my troubles and my job and this, that, and the other. When if we'd get a door of utterance, the answer would come. It would just come. You could go out shouting, get the tape and say, I know you said that, uh, Johnny, that, uh, that uh, he's talked about that, but I, it's not on the tape. Well, I'll tell you, I heard it. God talked to me. And that's how it is. So, um, every minister that speaks, that has an office, needs prayer. Well, there's, 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 not, there's this office. I'm in this office here. Debbie's in this office. Other people are going to help us in the, as, we, as we progress. We need to pray for utterance. It's not selfish. I'm not saying pray for me that I'll, you know, I'll get this and I'll get that. Hey, let's pray for the door to open so that whoever stands up here will speak. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, it says, let, let's just turn there. We're real close. Let's just slip to the left. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. I believe this is going to help us tonight. Verse 9 says that, uh, verse 9, for a great door and effectual. So you could read it, a great and effectual door is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, I want to tell you, the devil wants to shut down utterance. He doesn't mind a, a person speaking and people hearing, but he doesn't want someone in an office, say office, he doesn't want that one that's in an office. You know, in the Old Testament, we had the prophet, priest, and king. They're the ones that, that tied into God for, from an external anointing. He doesn't want that office speaking. Because when the office speaks for God, there's a corporate anointing, and it affects us all. It affects us all. We cannot go out unchanged. So when we have people in, like Brother David Ellis or uh, Joe Morris or just other people, they stand in an office. They're not, just, they're not just doing that for a living. They stand in an office, and there's a transaction that's in the money realm where they, you know, we receive offerings and we give them offerings and that, all that stuff. It just makes it all work. But the whole thing is to get someone that stands in an office to get them under an atmosphere where a door of utterance, great and effectual, can be opened, where God can convey to us what we need. And if it was information, have him just send a tape from California, a set, and we'll all just pass it out. Much cheaper. But we got to have that door opened. We got to have that office released. We got to have an atmosphere, not just to say it, but to receive it. 
And so that's why we have ushers. That's why we have nursery. That's why we, we have air conditioning. That's is so that we can minimize the distractions that are in the flesh, that are on the soul, crying babies and, you know, carrying on and all that sort of stuff. Drinks in the building. You know, we don't like drinks and candy and food in the building because it's not that we're hard-hearted. We do like our new carpet and all that, but it's so that we can get a door open that we can receive through. And that's the whole thing. And, and it's just 90 minutes usually in a service like we have. 90 minutes you've got it. But, but God can compress that thing and get what we need if we're already tuned in. But if you're tooling up for 90 minutes and you don't really get settled in until 10 till 12, you know, it could be you missed part of it. So we got to come in prayed up. Y'all, you and I have to come in already ready. I mean, like hit the ground. The landing gear's out of the plane before we <laughs> touch the... We, we're already ready. And then whoever comes in that's not of us, that's just coming in and road testing us, hey, we'll carry them. We'll just carry them. But we need to come in and not just say, well, I'm here to pay my duty, you know, God, 90 minutes on Sunday morning. I'll be back if I can on Wednesday. That's not it at all. We are here to hear. You get musicians, professional musicians, church musicians, and they just, you know, they don't get it a lot of times. They want to get up here and they want to play and they want us and want to be heard for the hearing only. And we do get excited and our emotions do get in with God and, and God is, is, is honored and, and everything. But the whole thing that God is interested in, listen, is you and I getting promoted, us getting into his will. And so that is an atmosphere, that is a, 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 a conduit whereby we set ourselves up and get ourselves prepared to receive the forthcoming word. I'm telling you, Debbie and I, we never hit this pulpit. Well, there's been about two times in my whole ministry since 1982 that I stood up, and I now looking back say, you know, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready. But I, we come for 300. I, I say we. I come for 300. You go, well, why don't you come for 1,000? Well, I'm just telling you honestly. I come for 300. There are not even 300 chairs on the property that I know of, but I come for 300. I'm ready. God use me. God use everybody else. And that's what we've got to do. Uh, he, he says, an effectual door. Um, one of the versions says uh, uh, that a great and effectual door says, many that would like to slam it in my face. The devil wants you to not receive the word that comes out from an office. In other words, wants to make everything from this pulpit like other pulpits and everything that comes from up here the same so that you just run the announcements and run the word of the Lord into one voice. So that's what we're always thinking about. Well, now, could somebody else do the announcements so that, you know, or the offering or, or something so that we, so people are more able to just hear that one voice and just focus on it? I'm not even saying that's, that's good or not. I'm just saying we're always looking for a way to get that door open because without the door open, nothing's happening, but with the door opening, anything could happen. So we got to pray. we got to pray. we got to pray. Lord, we're, now we're here for the Word. Now the Word's not, and I qualify that, you, you need more than the Word in the sense of the Holy Ghost has got to be there. you got to have unction. But without the Word, nothing else works. 
And so uh, in Revelation 4.1, it talks about a door opened in heaven. And we won't go there, but you've got to ask yourself, what's behind a door opened in heaven? Well, it talks about it there that uh, the unknown, the mystery is revealed. The mystery is spoken. So what we don't know and understand, how, do you all know that God could help us yet? That we hadn't tapped out everything God knows? That, that our lives are not running so high that we go, I really don't need God right now because I'm really shining. No, we all say, Lord, there's more room. There's room. And how's it going to come? Is it going to come with time? Is it going to come with with age or experience? No, it's going to come with the word of the Lord. I've told you many times I've seen young wise men and I've seen old fools. And age has little to nothing to do with it. I've seen young wise men that I'm going, you God's going to do it right now. You're not even 30 and, and snapping. And then I've seen 65 and 70 and, you know, your old men and women just tottering around, dumb as a rock in the things of God. And been in church, I'm talking about been in church all their life and are just crawling in diapers in the sense of, the, of that realm. Hosea 2.15 talks about a door of hope, that the supernatural power of God, hope is supernatural. Faith, love, and hope are three things that will always be. And Hosea talked about behind this door is a supernatural power called hope. We need that hope. And it's behind a door. You can't just encourage yourself in the sense of, well, everything's going to be all right, Michael. Everything, you just, you know, get a grip, get a, get a hold of yourself. You know, all that lasts about 30 minutes or a day. And then you slump back in. We need supernatural hope. We need to see something we hadn't been seeing in a way that we hadn't been seeing it. Amen. Uh, in in uh, you're back. You're still here. In Col go back to Colossians chapter four. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm I'm getting fired up here. Hallelujah. We go through doors to increase our effectiveness. We go through doors. Doors are transitional in our life. There's rooms and compartments that God has for you that he wants to bring you into those rooms. And you always go into a room through a door. Not even a window, but a door. And so we got to get that door open. Because once the door's open in the Lord Jesus, you have all the privileges to go in and have everything that's in that room. Well, if you're called into the ministry, for example, or if you're called in the motivational gift of paymaster, for example, or any number of things that you're called to that God's ordained, set it up, supplied it, networked you, prepared you, put you in the right place, got you to marry the right person, everything's lined up, but you don't ever see it, you'll just drive right by it. How many times have you, been going, have you ever gone home in your neighborhood and just looked at a house that's been there all along and you go, Wow, this is scary. I, I, don't, I never saw that house before, and it's always been there, and you've always, y'all know. Saw one the other day, it's like, ooh, I never saw that house before, but it's always been there. So there's things that God wants to show you that are behind doors. Well, I'm trying. I'm going to church. See, that, that's, that's part of it. Tithing is not being separated from your money. Just because God's got your money, so to speak, the church anyway, and you don't have it doesn't mean you've tithed. There's a revelation about tithing that says, listen, there's a door behind this tithing. It's called the windows of heaven. 
And when I tithe, I absolutely lock up the covenant. God's already locked up, but I lock it up in my soul that, listen, I, the devil can't and God is. And it's, there's just, it takes away the ambiguity. It takes away the, 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 the gray area. And you just set yourself for action. Bless God, us tithers. We have it and we have it on time. But, you know, you could be a tither, and there's many that are tithing, and pray all the time, Lord, help me with my money, and their money's not right. Because they don't get under that canopy, that unction, and experience that. Um, Colossians 4.3, y'all are there. Let's see. Uh, let's go back. With all praying also for us that God would open to us a door of utterance. This door of utterance obviously has something to do with your mouth, a door of utterance. So to hear, you got to hear from somebody else's mouth, but the door of utterance that Paul was talking about, pray for us, pray for me, that I would speak. Well, we all got a word we can put in there, but what does God have to run through your mouth? Well, it's important that we say what he says. I, I tell them all the time, and, and you've heard me say this. People say, well, you know, I want to be in the ministry. And I said, well, you need to prepare yourself. Well, I'm ready right now. I'm fired up, you know. And it always goes back to this. you got to have something inside of you to say that people want to hear. Just because you're saying it doesn't mean, and people are hearing it, doesn't mean they're happy. And so we've got to drop back and pray, Lord, what are you saying? and sanctify our lives. Um, everybody needs help with their mouth. We all do. And the Proverbs talks about fewer words, the better. Hallelujah. Uh, verse 3 and 4 in the American Standard says that uh, we pray for a door for the word. The 20th century says pray for an opening for our message. The Weymouth says pray for a door for our preaching. The Coney Bear says, pray for a door that I may preach openly. The Moffat says, pray that I may unfold it as I should. And the Weiss says, that I pray that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Listen, just up here speaking is a ritual. Just up here, y'all coming on Wednesday and Sunday to hear does not make it a transaction. We got to have something spoken we got to have something heard, and it's got to be down in here. Information is not valid, and we got lots of information. Listen, we can, and if you'll give us two days, we can figure out how to download you a plan a re, a, 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 for anything. No matter what you're going through or facing, we can informationalize you. But it's not until we have from, a word from heaven that things are going to change. Amen. Amen. So this, this door thing is critical. Say critical. Let's point to your, your heart right here and say, this is critical. What comes out of here is critical. That's right. So we're, we're going to start saying less foolishness and start saying what God's saying. Well, I, it'll shut your mouth a long ways in a long time if you can only say what God's saying. Hallelujah. Amen. So, when we get to speaking like in this pulpit here, this is a holy place. This little, this little place right here is a holy place. 
And we regard it as so. I don't know if you do, but we regard this area as precious. And we are just flat old. Debbie and I are just, we're just kind of weird even about uh, who can stand here and minister to you. It's not that we're into comparison and that we're the only ones and all that. It has nothing to do with us. It has only to do with you. The Bible tells us uh, over and over, don't mingle your seed. Don't get faith and get unbelief out there out of the same place, out of the same fountain. we got to have consistent uh, and, and God-based word coming forth. We are a faith church. We are a believing church. And just to tell the news, just uh, they, they were talking about uh, Senator, uh, no, uh, not Senator, but Miss Pelosi getting up and telling the Catholic Church, now I want you guys and your pulpit, you priests and bishops, to start talking about this immigration bill because we need to be pushing this thing. Well, and of course, Bill O'Reilly, that's who I was watching, he said, what about separation of church and state, you know? Uh, you know, all of a sudden it was, it was taboo, you know, don't touch it, and all of a sudden she's talking to the priest to start getting this out there. Well, that is de uh, desecrating this holy place. To use it for political and 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 uh, economic purposes, this thing is reserved for the mouthpiece of God, and we're not claiming that we are in the sense of ourselves, but God uses us, and we ought to yield to it, both to speak it and to hear it. And what Paul said keeps that going is to pray, to pray, to keep our focus on Lord. I'm getting a word from you. So when we minister the gospel from this place up here. Heaven literally opens. Heaven literally begins to open to you if you have an ear to hear and you begin to let God minister to you. Let me read to you what Lillian B. Yeoman says. You know, she, she was a physician that uh, uh, had a, a, a glorious life after a very hard life. Um, and she said this, because uh, we were going to ask God, you know, Lord, if you want, why do you always want me to speak? Why can't you speak into the earth? Because God is, is always asking you to say. He's always talking to you about you can't just sit there. You have to say. Say something, and people don't want to. I had a guy in the jail that wrote me a note saying, I don't believe that we have to, that we, I don't believe we have to say. I believe we can pray silently. Well, I lit into him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Best I could, you know, and saying that's not how it works. Well, it's not how it works. We have to say. And you go, well, why can't God do his own speaking? Because remember he told Ezekiel. No, he told, who did he tell to speak to the dry bones? Ezekiel. And he said, Ezekiel, man, speak to the bones. Well, why didn't God just speak to the bones? And then after he got the bones all assembled, then God turned around to him and said, speak to the wind. Speak to the breath of life. And you know, all sorts of things happen. You go, well, now, Lord, okay, we'll do that. But why don't you do something like that? Here's what Lillian said. She said, God has tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation in the execution of divine purposes. Let me read it again. God has tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation in the execution of divine purposes. When he wants something done, he can't just go do it. He has to find somebody that will say exactly 
contrary to their information, their understanding, how they know anything about it, that will say what he wants said. And as soon as they say it, as soon as a man or woman speaks it for God under that unction, under that anointing, under that canopy of the presence of God, God immediately has license and duty to perform it in your life. So if nothing can happen in your life without a word from heaven, and heaven can't speak unless somebody under the anointing mimics or echoes that word, then we in our quest for a better life have only one prayer, Lord, speak through somebody. We got to get somebody to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. You got to do it for yourself. Don't say, well, I'm going to church because that's the only word, but you got to get up and say, by his stripes, I was healed. You got to say that. You got to declare that. You got to, you can't, and you can't just go down a book every day. I mean, you can, you can, I'm not, I'm not minimizing that, but you can't just use vain repetitions and say, I've done it. It's got to be in a canopy or an atmosphere or an environment of believing where, Lord, this is you talking to me. This is me out of my mouth. It's happening. Reinhard Bonnke said that God talked to him. He was having some limited success in Africa. Reinhard Bonnke ministers regularly to 30, 40, and 100,000 people, even a million people at once he's ministered to in Africa. And God told him one time, he said, my word in your mouth is exactly as powerful as my word in my mouth. You ought to say wow right there. My word in your mouth does the same thing as my word in my mouth, God told him. Changed his life. Changed my life. That it's got to come under the unction of God. you got to be in there more than just, you know, you got to be tuned in. And you have to pray for it. Paul said, pray for a door of utterance. Pray that the unction would come, that we would be able to speak. All God needs is your mouth. And so I'm going to go back to what I said originally. What is the most impressive thing about Jesus? It was what he said. And so then we're going to have to move ourselves in there and say, with my one and only life, right now, today, what is the most impressive thing about me? What is it? Is it your degrees? Is it your family? Is it your money? Is it your possessions? Is it your, is it your plans? Is it your reputation? It's got to be different than that because all that stuff just comes and goes. What changes everyone, what changes your kids and your grandkids is not that Ninaw and, and Peepop, you know, gives them this and takes them there and whatever. It's what they say over them. If fathers don't mark their sons and their daughters with their words, the devil will mark them every time. We're just coming through a generation where parents did not mark their sons and daughters, and the devil marked them for drugs and alcohol and promiscuity, marked them for himself, marked them for his kingdom, because fathers and mothers just didn't pray, just didn't say, 
just didn't get up in the morning and declare, this is the borders around my life and my family. And it's not going to be different than this. These are gods. They're mine and they're gods, and the devil's not having them. And you mark them with the word of God. And you mark them with the promises of God. And you mark them for their future and for their mates and for their money and for their lives. Pastor Eric West and Michelle, their, their son Taylor is coming home in three weeks. You know, he's, uh, he's through with the Middle East. He's been to Iraq and he's been to Afghanistan. But, you know, there's no doubt that they began to set words into motion that, uh, you know, there was a real need. It was a necessary thing. I'm not saying they just started, but I'm telling you, whether you never had or ever had, it was a good time to start. <laughs> and then he's coming home. I mean, he's coming home, done two tours, and, and uh, uh, these things work. To send Psalm 91 out every day. But, but you and I have got to have utterance. Y'all, you've got to be known for saying. When we pray on Monday night, we have to pray as much to find out what we should say on Monday night as what we actually do on Monday night. We actually only speak as a group about 40 minutes on Monday night, usually. You have 35, 40 minutes or so, depends on how it goes, where we pray out. But whoever's the leader for that evening has to spend quite some time finding out from God what he wants to say to lead that thing, because you can just pray over around the world and get nothing done. It's got to be what God has directed. It's timely. It's, it's, it's got to it's come together. The elements that he sent have to be appropriated. And you can't just go out there, well, I prayed. It ought to be good. It's not that God gives you a button and says, well, because you prayed, I'm just going to work it in every area. He's going to do or perform or keep what you say. That's what he's allowed to do, and that's what he's bound to do, and that's what he does. So we ought to know about danger. We ought to know about promotion. We ought to know about increase. We ought to know about our future. We ought to know about it in prayer so that God can speak into our lives about that. If he starts talking to you, but you're not on that page, and he says thus and so, but you're, you're not a prayer, you hadn't been out there saying, you don't know what it means. You don't know how to attach it because you hadn't got your end of it going. So we're going to have to pray. And I'm not saying you're not. I'm just telling the whole, the whole of us. It's, if you're praying, you, we all got to pick it up. And if you're not, now is a time to pray. These are perilous times we're coming into. And I don't mean to be scary. I'm just telling you the devil, as this thing is squeezing down, the attack is, listen, the attack is on the door of utterance. He doesn't care if we have smoke machines and high light and, and low light. And, and he doesn't care what we do on Sunday morning ever. The only place that he trembles and, and, and loses is when we get up and declare Jesus Christ and declare his life, and we bring the utterance of the Lord of the victory that he's wrought. The gospel is in short supply in the sense of the true gospel. I'm not saying that, that you can't get saved in churches, but even at that, people are not taking their Bibles to churches, which is a great indicator that those churches are not demanding the word, being sought and wrought. I mean, I'm not saying bringing your Bible's the answer, but I'm saying if you, if you can go to church and it's not really something you need every week, they must not be preaching that gospel. 
So you just get ready here at Word of Life. We're growing. We're doubling this time. But we are still in every way who we are. And if you think, well, we finally toned it down. I can bring my other friends. Listen, just bring them anyway and let the Holy Ghost take care of them. There's a misconception that says that when you bring your friends the first time and they don't want to come back, that it's the church's fault. Listen, there's got to be something that's put into some people that they can't take the first time. And sometimes they'll take it and they'll get this and get that and they won't come back. And you think, well, that preacher, my preacher, he, my pastor, he just went off and it was, you know, I wish he hadn't of and this, that, and the other. Listen, they'll never forget us. And when times get different, and they are going to be different, they, in their trouble, will remember where there's power, where there's authority, where there's love, where, there's, where, there's, where the things that we have are operating. So why would be we be like them who are already in despair so that we could try to win them to us who are like them? We have got to be who we are, and we are who we are, and we're not changing that. It does not matter and I'm not saying this is a matter of conclusion, but it didn't matter if we never got bigger than this in the sense of should we compromise or change what we're doing in the sense of the word. Our greatest covet, our greatest desire, our greatest longing is to have a door of utterance here at this church, to have a move of God in this ministry. And we have no other great longing. God wants a place where he can speak. And we've just sold out to him and just said, we will be that. And he just has to finance it, y'all. And, you know, it just, the natural thing is, the natural thing in the world is to say, well, to get money, you got to go to work. That's not true. It can happen, but it's not true. And you should not say, I'm going to lay out and see if it's not true. I'm not going to get a job and see if I can get him to do it. That's not it either. You ought to go to work. But I'm telling you, when trouble comes, you don't have to say, because I don't have a job, I don't have money. And the same thing in the church. You don't have to say, well, there's not many of us, so we can't do anything and can't have anything. It's just not so. I said it's just not so. But somebody's got to be in faith. Somebody's got to be praying. And somebody in that situation has to follow a narrow and often hidden path. And to do that, it's not broad. It's not obvious. It's not everywhere. You're going to have to find the will of God. And to do that, you're going to have to pray. We're going to have to believe God. God wants a strong church here. I'm telling you, he could have moved me from West Texas anywhere. And I'm telling you, it didn't matter to us. This was as good or as bad as anything. We didn't know anything about this place to, to be prejudiced about it for good or for bad. We were as surprised as the next guy. But he moved us here, and we are strong, you are strong, and he wants something strong here. So don't go by our past and say this is how our future will be. We are believing God for a door of utterance. That is going to change Tuscaloosa County, West Alabama, the southeast, and the nations. There's no doubt. And I'll tell you, we don't have time tonight, but the ground floor people always cash out. If you're on the ground floor of something that's just God and not, but not necessarily obvious, he always cashes those folks out. I mean, we're not in it for that, but I can just tell you, that's out there. Hallelujah. So what's the most impressive thing about your life? Whatever it is tonight, you ought to make sure you change it if it's not. Lord, my words are the most impressive thing about me. 
I speak the truth in love and in faith. I'm speaking the truth. I'm speaking it boldly. I'm opening my mouth, and I'm praying for a door of utterance. When you invite these friends, don't just catch them. Pray for them first. Pray for them. I've been praying for some people. Lord, I need an opportunity. I need to, to know when to catch Wanda at the cleaners. And Mar- Marnesha didn't even know her name till the other day. And I went and said, Marnesha, would you be my friend on friend day? She says, well, I go to Daystar. I said, would you be my friend on friend day? <laughs> she said, sure, if I can bring my fiancé. Okay, you can bring him. <laughs> I'm just telling you how it works for me. But I've been praying for that. I've been believing God. I've been, and listen, this isn't our last friend day. We're gonna, we have a plan that's already in. We'll tell you all about it later where we're going to have regular low-key friend days, even on a regular basis where on that particular Sunday, you'll know about it, we're going to have a, a atmosphere that's geared for our friends. And we'll all know it's that Sunday. We'll all know that, that we're going to have a drama on that Sunday. We're going to have this, that, and the other on that Sunday. And, uh, and so uh, get ready. We're going somewhere. Now listen, people want the supernatural. If they can't find it in God, they will go to the demonic. In those games, on TV, uh, in movies, bad movies. Bad, bad movies. It's getting as bad as it can get. I saw a Harry Potter advertisement the other day that was just demonic. It wasn't even like, this is, this is suggestive. It was demonic. All you got's the word. That's all that separates us from the from the powers that be. You want to pray tonight? Let's pray tonight. Y'all want to pray with us tonight? Let's pray for a door of utterance. Hallelujah. You got something else you want us to? Absolutely. Let's pray for our Sunday morning service. So we're going to... Oh, yeah. Amen. So y'all come up here. Let's let's believe God. We've got a...